Hello and welcome to another edition of How Good Is Rugby League. My name is Emmanuel Penklis and joining me as always is Michael Corbin. Hey, Emmanuel. Michael, massive news day. Let me start with this line. Although the board acknowledges the club's performances so far throughout 2020 have been unacceptable, we will continue to support Paul, his staff and the team through these tough times. Is there anything worse in rugby league than having the full support of the board? No, there's not. The problem is, who supports the board? That's my question. Because right now, <laughs> right now, the fans, I don't even know if the players, the coach, like the, bo- the board is just as much to blame for what's going on at the Dragons right now as Mary McGregor is. And if he gets fired, he will be the scapegoat. He has his job for now, for now. But if he gets fired, he'll be the scapegoat. And whoever has to step in, whether it be Dean Young or someone else, is going to have to deal with this shit fight. And the board that has recruited poorly, has hired poorly, has held on to people too long, and has the one of the, one of the main reasons why Mary's still in this job is because the board don't want to have to pay out his contract. An extension which they gave him last year, even after a poor start and a bad season. Everyone was questioning the extension then, and now it just looks really stupid. Yeah. Uh, Look, I'm with you. St. George and Lawara have a lot of problems. Um, And I'm not convinced that sacking a coach at this point in the season is really going to help a lot of those issues. They have an incredibly underperforming roster. Um, There is a great um, survey or stat put together by the NRL Economist on Twitter. And... The most experienced squad by 100 games in the NRL is St. George. They have 2,484 first-grade games worth of experience. These are players that have played football. These are players that can play football. You have halfback. You have a forward pack. You have a great hooker. You have incredible experience in your team. Um, And it's not as though the the forward pack is young players and have no idea. These are players that have been in the Origin Arena and I, my concern is that what, what does a new coach bring that is going to change the simple things about this, this game? Um, you know, I watched the game yesterday and there are so many passes that went astray and players that look like they're just playing for themselves. There's a lack of communication. Um, it's, not, it's not together. And there is only so much I think a coach can do in that respect. Yes, the coach brings them around, but these players, some of them don't look like they want to be there. And I, a lot of that comes down to a personal thing. It's an aging team. James Graham's future has been brought into question. Um, very experienced, strong, tough, very physical. But I think players like that, I, th- I think St. George are probably better off just moving a couple of these players on and, and getting some young guns in at this point while they have other experience in the squad and just saying, you know what? This season might have run its course. Let's blood some juniors and see what happens. Yeah, and firing Mary right now, what it will do is it'll throw Dean Young into a firing line for a team that's just going to underperform or whoever it is, right? So if you hold on to Mary, you can just say, let's try experiment with stuff. Let's try and give these young guns, players like Jason Saab, players like Tristan Saylor, some game time so that when when it matters, like next year, because let's 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 be real. This season's done for them. They 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 don't have a hope the way they're playing right now. It gives these players a bit more experience heading into a new season with potentially a new coach. All right. I think that one of the big issues is Ben Hunt. I think that they just I know he's on a million dollars a year, but they need to find a way to offload him, cut ties, get him away from the club. Uh, I said he shouldn't be playing last week. He and somehow somehow still. He's made the squad this week. Put him to the bench. He needs he needs to understand that his job isn't safe because of the contract he's on, and he needs to start performing. I I kind of agree with the, the James Graham sentiment. I I think he's it's just he's gone a bit too long. I think his legs have lost, he's lost his step, and even still, he's playing at that first receiver role sometimes, and he's not the person I want touching the ball out of first receiver. So, yeah, I think there's some big issues with the Dragons. But I yeah. think I, I think ultimately I, the board needs to look at themselves a lot harder than they're looking at everything else. 
Yeah, I can't understand James Graham playing that first receiver position. We know that, you know, he played that role at Canterbury, really revolutionised that that role when, and it was a key part of the Bulldogs making those two grand finals in 2012 and 14. But I, you know, one of the things was that the, the whole Canterbury attack became so stale about around Graham in that first receiver role. And it just, to me, it makes no sense. In his first um, season at St. George, I mean, his football was so good because he focused on being a forward and there was none of that first receiver play. It seems that either he's reverted back or St. George have adopted the Bulldogs game plan and it, and it, it doesn't work. I mean, you have, you have Ben Hunt there. You have Corey Norman there. Get these players to run it. James Graham is not a playmaker. You've paid all these money. Get these guys into the game. But I, I completely agree with you. Ben Hunt, I, I just don't know. I mean, the signing at the time was was crazy. He was on the outs at Brisbane. Um, he's just... It, it's a, it's, it's, their recruitment does need questioning. And I know that McGregor says that he's got his stamps all over that team and his idea behind every player that's involved. But at the same time, then I agree with you. The board is probably accountable in some respect if they're approving all these, all these um, purchases. I mean, Corey Norman's another one. You know, he's... It, it, we they had him, they had Widdop, they had they had Hunt and McInnes, and then you bring in Isaac Luke, and it's just, it's just all a very very confused approach, I think. And um, by the sounds of it, the the money to save the coach, and even Phil Gould's review, uh, just all sort of like covering the cracks and and trying to just pass this off for another season and and push the kick the can down the road. But I think there are big issues, and St George could be in some for some difficult times ahead. Yeah, the, the issue with Gus's review, it was it was never to look at how the board is operating and how the coach is operating because they're the ones who hired him to do the job. It was more what's wrong with the playing group and where can we fix things, and that's the issue. Like this team, as as much as as much as the playing group can should be held accountable for some of the things that are going on right now, it's not solely them. So yeah, I think. I think there's a lot of issues at the Dragons. I, I still can't believe that, you know, two weeks in a row, they, they haven't scored a single try. The Warriors two weeks ago went 46 of 48. The Dogs compl- uh, didn't complete their first, like not, they were four of eight in the first of their, of their four, uh, four of their first eight sets completed. And they went to rattle off 26 complete, completed sets in a row. That just shows me that there's no intensity on defense or at all in that team. And, I understand the Dragons fans calling for Mary's head. Obviously, he has to go. It's just a matter of when. This season's lost to them. So you might as well hold on and try and get some, try and save some money. Uh, but if you want to give someone a crack, I understand that as well. Yeah. They've lost, in the last two weeks, they've lost 40 points to two combined to two teams that aren't really known for their attacking prowess. So no, there's a enough. lot of issues there. And, you know, a, a Sacking a coach does not give you intensity to make an effort in the tackles. So, um, very disappointing for St George, but I'm I'm very happy for Canterbury. Um, you know, yeah. I, I still Dean think Pay. they've got issues, but yeah, Dean, Dean Pay was coaching. You could tell Dean Pay that team is that team has been performing well. They've been trying, unlike the Dragons. So it it made it made sense for them to get the win. Yeah, and you know, I think the Bulldogs have their own problems. I, I think. Lachlan Lewis has given his performance in general is probably a bit of an issue, but that, there are good signs for the dogs there. Um, Boren ad obviously returns with experience and spark, unfit towards the end, but that will improve week by week. But, you know, the, the quality of the Canterbury side is not a star-studded lineup like St. George's. Um, no. It's far less experienced um, than St. George's. There's about 600 games less experience there. But, you know, we discussed earlier in the season that they've got a bit of pride in their jersey. Um, they put some effort in. And at the end of the day, you know, one one playing group was... Both playing groups were on notice um, by the media more than anything. And Canterbury stood up. And, you know, I just think it's interesting that, that the, the team with the rookies, um, when, the you know, the time came and, and it, was the, it was time to, you know, put your heart on your sleeves. It was the, the rookie Bulldogs players that did it. And, um, you know, the St. George players, just very lackluster performance from them. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with the Lachlan Lewis sentiment. I think he needs to 
improved a little bit. I would even give Brandon Wakem a shot there, but uh, put uh, four and two half. I think Brandon Wakem's got a bit more spark. Uh, but yeah, I, I have a question for you though. If you were to pick a coach for the Dragons heading into next season, who would it be? Because mm. I know you're, I know you're, I know you're skeptical on Shane Flanagan, and you think he should also be held accountable for what's going on right now. Yeah, I, I don't actually think it should be Flanagan. I, I know Ben Hornby um, was an assistant coach there. I'd, be, I'd, I'd rather see someone I think who's been associated with the club. Um, Shane Flanagan's come in as an assistant coach. Okay. Um, the assistant coach is meant to provide the support to the coach. They, they shook up their coaching lineup. Um, and, you know, I think there needs to be some accountability around him. He's got these big wraps around him. He's dealt with big personalities before. He coached a club with your Fafitas and your Gallons and your Maloney's. And there are a lot of big names at St. George. And, you know, if he's a premiership winning coach, he needs to be assisting Mary through this process. I can't see him doing it. Um, I think, you know, Get someone in there for a year for the rest of this season. If you're going to do, the, if you're going to take the plunge and sack Mary and work it out, otherwise you're going to end up burning money and burning coaches. Do what Newcastle did um, with Badiris, what the Roosters did with Fitler, and what Canterbury did with Dean Pay. Just bring someone in there who can just give it a bit of pride, and you know it's not necessarily the, the result that's going to turn it around. But this ship seems more like the Titanic than you know the Ruby Princess. Needs a lot of turning. I, I have a name for you who I think would be absolutely perfect for the job. And I think there's a reason why he hasn't taken a head coaching job right now. It's Craig Fitzgibbon. He's an ex-Saints player. He lives down in the South Coast. He has origin experience. He's, he's on that team. He's on that coaching staff with Freddie and Joey and Brandy. And I think he's just been waiting for this job to open up. And the moment it does, I think he's going to jump at it. And I think it'll be a great decision. Yeah. And you have support from uh, a Dragon supporter who messaged in uh, PNT who said that Fitzgibbon or Bennett would be his leading contenders. All I say to that is hands off Wayne. Go Look, the I, th- I, think, I, think, I think Wayne's a bad option. I don't even know if Wayne's a good coach anymore, but that's for another day. Yeah. Well, you know, like the thing with Wayne is that, uh, you know, for the first five years after he left St. George, all I heard was Dragons fans complaining about he ruined everything. So I don't know why you'd want to go back to that. Exactly. All right, let's get into some actual football. Uh, the week started off with uh, the most one-sided game I've seen in probably about four or five years. And I could be happier, to tell you the truth. Uh, the Roosters got up against the Brisbane Broncos 59-0. It's the largest scoreline that's ever been uh, given to the Broncos. First time they've ever lost 59-0 at Suncorp specifically. Uh, it's the first time ever that there's been a 59-0 scoreline in the NRL or even in the old competition. So some facts for you there. Uh, I I can't really even take too much out of this game. It was a bloody it was a training, it was a training run. Like the Broncos didn't show up. So as much as I would love to say that the Roosters were dominant, the drunk the Broncos were pathetic. So like yeah, it was a good win for the Roosters, but I can't take too much out of it, to tell you the truth. Yeah, look, 59-0, it breaks a... I think this is actually quite incredible that, you know, Brisbane's 58-0 loss in their final game of last season, that record lasted four games. I mean, um, look, I'm going to take a moment here to absolutely tee off on Anthony Seabold. I yeah. think he's the most overrated coach in the rugby league. He's been given a five-year contract after coaching Souths in 2018 with an incredible roster and multitude of experience put together by the great Michael Maguire. There, I've said it. I think he's overrated. I think he's got so many wraps of himself. I think that whole year in 2018 at Souths was completely ruined by the fact he was aiming up for the Brisbane job. He completely, completely lacked control in the key moments of that season. Um, when it all went pear-shaped at the end, he couldn't handle it. Um, the Burgess media storm was should have been a warning sign that I think Souths have dodged a bullet. I don't think that we've got the greatest coach at the moment, but I think that this man has been given five years on a record that is completely unproven. This was already a top eight, a top four side that he was coaching at Souths. He was the he brought in the slick touches. The Souths were over Madge. He came in. 
They won nine or 11 in a row and should have gone on with it and should have probably met Brisbane, um, should have probably met the Roosters in the grand final, um, but capitulated at the end of the season and limped home. Um, I think that, I don't think he's a good coach. Um, he's been given a year and a bit now. Um, his management of the media, he's, he's sort of, I, I just don't understand what he's doing with that team. I don't understand. I've noticed that this week, you know, they've brought in Ben Teo. He's the signing. He's going he's gonna to be on the bench for them. But this, this doesn't change anything. Like, you know, a 58-0 loss followed four games later by a 59-0 loss is, is what we... We didn't even see that in the Newcastle days. When Newcastle battled through those three wooden spoons, you, you never saw those sort of results so close together. You, there is no, there's no pride in the jersey. Um, he seems to, Seabold seems to have a lot of the Brisbane old boys offside. Um, and, you know, I, ju- I just think that they need to, there's no direction. They've, they've got a young captain. Um, I could, I'm just rattling off all these things, Corbis, because he, he irks me as a coach. Because, and this is the thing with Brisbane, they have this incredible, incredible market to pick from. They have a whole city that had this advantage um, and he's wasting the opportunity there. And, uh, you know, like Brisbane is always up there. They're always in the eight. And the, this team just looks, I don't know, terrible. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think Seabold's a great coach. I think that someone really needs to train him how to talk to the media because the amount of excuses this guy comes up with after every loss is just absolutely incredible. Uh, the pressure gets to him. And you can tell. I don't I don't particularly rate what he puts on the field. I don't like his strategy. He can't coach defense to save his life. Right? I agree exactly. with you that South South had a great team that year and they should have done better than what they did. Everyone was hoping for a Rooster South Grand Final that year and it didn't happen. Yeah, I it's hard because yeah, he's been given this huge contract, but it was yeah, it was all it was all yeah. The decision was questioning at the time. It's like this guy has had one year and then you go give him a five-year contract to try and build this, this Broncos team up. Uh, you know, that team is stacked. And he came out and he said, oh, we've got $4 million sitting on the bench right now. We're the youngest team in the comp. Guess what? You're also not the youngest team in the comp. You're the third youngest team in the comp. I just, there's, there's issues there that those, those halves aren't gelling like they should be. The forward pack just lacks, lacks you know, veteran leadership. And Ben Teo is is great, but he hasn't played rugby league in six years. Uh, and he's not going to be the one who's going to turn you around yeah. from a 59-point scoreline to winning a game. That's the, that's the facts about it. So, yeah, Seabold uh, needs to do much better than what he's doing. Otherwise, he's going to be... He's, Broncos fans are going to be calling for his head. And trust me, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them who will do so. When you, when you have players like uh, Darren Lockyer coming out against yeah. you, you know, who loves that club and will do anything for that club, you can you know that there's issues up there in in Brisbane. Yeah, and look, I think that one of the problems is that Brisbane have quite a talented forward pack in particular. But um, Seabold really, more than anything, needs to show that he can develop these players. He has the biggest talent pool to work with in the NRL. Um, but can he bring a player in and develop them? Can he can he do what um, Trent Robinson does and, and sort of like mould a player and make them look so great in a position in a way no other club could. Can he do it like he did with Luke Keary and just gave make made him in a really simple role for him and build him into a wonderful player out of that? Can he do what Bellamy does when all these players go to Melbourne and they just come out of there and they're so much better for the experience? I mean, Brisbane is one of the big clubs. They need a coach that can do this. And I'm not sure that he's the man to do it. And Corb's back on the experience thing. Um, I'm going to go back to my little tale of the week, the NRL Economist stat on experience. Yeah. Brisbane, Brisbane are more experienced than Canberra, Cronulla, Souths and Penrith. Okay. And yep. they're two games less experienced than Newcastle. So I know they had a couple of forwards out, but you can't blame lack of experience for that when Newcastle and Penrith and, Canberra sort of sitting around you in that area and and, no. and perform the way they do. So no. um, lots of problems there. Um, but I have to tell you that between that game and the Penrith game where it was 
victory to nil and absolute blowout scores. I was very, very paranoid when I turned on the TV at 7.50 on Friday night about to watch Souths and Melbourne because I was worried that we were going to end up the same way. Yeah, and that's that's one of the issues that may be floating around with these new rule changes is it can lead to more blowouts. Now, that Melbourne-Souths game was a tough game, uh, but we kind of knew that uh, Melbourne were going to get up there. I would say that it's Latrell's best showing at fullback, and as as we keep saying, he's getting better and better every week. So there's there's good signs there, and Souths are going to be bolstered by the return of James Roberts and Cody Walker this week. So that's really going to help them. And also, I'm pretty sure they're versing the Titans. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. So if you can't win that, you got to, you, then, then there's going to be some big questions asked. But uh, yeah. yeah. But Titans, was... are, Titans, are, Titans are coming to, into a game for the first time in, the year, in a year as last start winners called. So you never know. <laughs> Momentum and confidence. It's all you True. need. But I, I do want to say this about Souths. Um, yes, Latrell was good. Um, our forward pack, I'm very concerned. There's no meters there. There's, yeah. there's, there's no, I don't think any forward cracked more than 100 meters. These are, these are really That's concerning it. signs. We're one and three. Our next two games. Sorry. No, go for it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the stat uh, that I'll tell you the stat that really scares me. Damien Cook yeah. had two runs. Yeah, that's it. And why can't he make runs? Because the forwards aren't giving him space. Yeah. Um. So. Very worrying there. Um, you know, we're one and three. Our next two games are against the Titans and the Warriors. If we're not three and three in two weeks, I think this season slips away. We've discussed it before. 20 games. You can't lose as many as you normally have. Um, and, you know, it, 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 I'd say that, you know, um, the Storm and Roosters are probably two teams we wouldn't expect to have beaten. Like, maybe the Roosters, but Melbourne and Melbourne, we were never going to win. So you probably bank that as a loss, you're guaranteed. But, you know, with Walker back on deck and James Roberts back on the side this week, which we'll talk about later, um, Souths really need to win and really need to lift because they're in huge danger here, I think. Um, Yeah, it could be a long season if we don't turn things around quickly. Um, But, yeah, Melbourne, full credit to them. Great performance. Cameron Smith, he just absolutely... He might not. There's a lot of talk about him not being the best hooker in the game at the moment and that um, title might have passed on, but he is without a doubt the best player in the game still, even if it's not a hooker, because he was defending on the wing at one point and like, saved an absolute try against Dengar guys. So um, full credit to Melbourne because it Cameron was just Ma- another one of those classic performances. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Meister also loves a big game against Souths and always seems to have one run where he just breaks about five or six tackles against you guys. So he loves stepping up against Souths and it really showed on the weekend. Yep, definitely. All right. So then Parramatta and Manly. This was a a great game, which we thought, we knew this was going to be close. Um, Very physical, um, very exciting, lots going on. Two talented teams who I have absolutely no doubt are going to be there come September. Or, sorry, November or whatever it is now, October. I don't know. Um, two teams who will definitely be there. 19 16 was the final score. Michael, the forward pass. Mm-hmm. Was it forward? It was, it was a 50 50 call, in my opinion. I think it could have gone either way. I'm sorry to sit on the fence here. Like, at one angle, it looks like it went forward. And. And Tom Travojevic loves throwing that last pass forward. So, yes, I yes, can understand does. why. I can understand why the ref that that touch that touchy may have seen it go forward. It looks a little forward. I'm not going to lie. Did it come out of the hands backwards? Possibly. I don't know. I, I look. Whatever it happened, was it the wrong call. That's what the referee boss speaks. So it must be. I don't know. I have no idea whether it was a right call. I think it was a 50-50 call. It unluckily went... Uh, it for, for Manly, it was unlucky to go against them. Uh, but it was a great game otherwise. Right? Look, refs are going to get things wrong. But this doesn't need to be reviewable. I'm sorry. It's, this isn't something that can go up to the video ref. That, that Fox camera was in the perfect position. That's not always going to be the case. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. Less technology in the game, better. 
if yeah. this happened in the first minute and Manly didn't score off it, it's still the difference. But yep. we wouldn't be talking about it because it's not the end of the game. Exactly. Um, you know, bounce of the ball, run of the green happens all the time. So, um, but great game. Um, two very, very strong teams who, um, you know, Manly's eighth, Paris first. But um, I think Manly, if they can keep their spine on deck, they will go a long way. Manly have so, um, well. so you know, I could see yeah. them. I could see them improving on that eighth position. They've versed some really good teams in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And then um, we went up to Townsville. Um, Cronulla got the win um, against the Cowboys. Not sure what's going on with the Cowboys. So it's a bit hard to work out there. Um, Talmalolo was out. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah, I think I think the I think the absence of Tavololo and Hess was ruled out late. Just that their forward pack was a bit depleted. You're still missing Michael Morgan. So they've got a couple of injuries and Sharks were gonna to have to show up eventually and they did. Yeah, exactly. And they defied the odds because, you know, they all six of them were uh, uh with an elevated temperature before kickoff and their Fox Sports was full of drama about what would happen, would the game be postponed, but you know, it's one of these COVID miracles. Um, Sunday afternoon, Raiders-Newcastle. This was a great game. Canberra just were not on for this match. I don't know what happened, but they just didn't turn up. They seemed to be in first gear the whole time. There was no intensity. There was miscommunication. It wasn't that physical. And just a, a really impressive performance from Newcastle. Adam O'Brien done wonders there. Um, they haven't lost a game. They're, they're three wins in a draw. They're sitting high in second position. Um, they're looking very impressive. Kalen Pong has come back, um, absolutely carved it up for them. Uh, I really like the look of this side now. And McCulloch, I thought, had a really good game. Um, they're just they're looking very complete now, especially with McCulloch there. They finally sorted out that hooker role. And, um, you know, that's a big upset against Canberra, who you just sort of back to win most weeks. So Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge win by the Knights. Bradman best... Uh, Looks absolutely fantastic. That little grubber that he put in off that uh, after the high ball was just incredible for his other center. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we said last week, you know, Newcastle playing well. We can't believe we haven't heard from their supporters yet. And lo and behold, yeah. one of our one of one of one of our listeners reached out to us straight away after the win. And this is the yeah. email I got, and I was I laughed a bit when I read it. It says. Is Kalen Ponga the Michael Jordan of Rugby League? <coughs> hear me uh, out. Do we have to hear more? Do we have hear to me hear out. more? <laughs> hear me out. In 2016, Newcastle signed Kalen Ponga to a four-year deal worth uh, $600,000 a year after just two first-round games in the NRL. It's made him the highest-paid teenager in the history of the NRL and had just lost their second consecutive wooden spoon at the time and were not looking that much impressive. Since coming to the Hunter, Newcastle, uh, Newcastle has built themselves around Kalen uh, without Kalen, Newcastle don't recruit players like Mitchell Pearce, uh, David Clemmer, Tim Glasby, and Tyson Frizzell, who is still pending. But yeah, uh, it also it also allows players like Tex Hoy, Bradman Best uh, to come through the ranks. Now, just, let's just not compare anyone to Michael Jordan. That's that's you know, Kalen Pong has won nothing in his career. Michael Jordan's won everything, uh, and yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. But this is just showing yeah. you that Knights Knights fans are rallying behind this team and they think they've got something. Yeah. I don't I don't know well, whether you know, as, Go ahead. Especially especially our mates who, you know, Newcastle suddenly riding high and suddenly he's a Newcastle supporter again. But we won't <laughs> go there. But you know, Michael Jordan did win six comps in that period, which is three times as many as Newcastle ever won. So I don't think it's really fair to compare him to Ponga. Yeah, completely agree. But yeah, I do you think do you think the Knights could be a contender this year? That's a good question. Yeah, I do. I think that they have this. Um, but the way I actually think of it, Corbs, to be honest, is that they're reminding me a bit of Souths in 2012. Um, you finally got the coach there. You've you've had a, like a lot of the team sort of together before that, and it's a coach that just brings in this culture that changes the cob around. Um, I think they're a top four side. Whether they do it, they've got the experience too. Um, but there are a couple of other big contenders there. And, you know, if they end up against someone like Canberra, who played in the grand final last year, 
I think that could be the game changer for them. Um, and that could carry Raiders over the line. But Newcastle would definitely be up there this year, as long as they keep putting in that defensive effort. Um, but I think to score 34 points against Canberra is quite a lot. Um, they've got a lot of attacking spark and um, there's no reason to. Um, on that, PNT messaged in and said, um, 100% Newcastle can win the comp. Uh, nothing to lose this year, no expectations, so it could be very dangerous. Um, something I 100% agree with. Uh, I right, Here's my opinion. I think they're good. But my, I, I just, I think they need to lose in the finals first before they can, you know, you need to lose one to win one, in my opinion. You don't just go to yeah. a team and you don't just, be, like this team has struggled for years and years. They're not going to walk into the finals without very little experience in those type of games and knock out teams like the Roosters, the Raiders, even Manly. So I think, I think they're a good team. I think they're probably around that top five to six spot. Uh, I think they're going to, they'll, they'll definitely, they'll definitely make the eight in my opinion. I just think they're, they're a year or two off from being a real championship threat right now. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I, I think that, you know, you've got to remember this time last year, Newcastle were up there. They had that massive win against the Roosters um, up at Newcastle. Of course, um, Roosters had their own injuries that night and concussions and whatever, but they were absolutely riding high. So it's not like they haven't been up there before. Um, they were there last year, and I think, you know, Pierce being picked for Origin sort of accelerated their spiral in the end of Nathan Brown's coaching career. So how they come through these next probably five or six weeks. But, uh, you know, I think really good signs so far for them. Um, a, a big test for them this week, which we'll preview in a bit, but that's against Melbourne. So um, we'll get to that game in a minute. Now, Sunday night, Sunday night, the Titans got their first win in 364 games. Uh, 364 sure, yeah. days. Sorry, not games. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, that would be bad. It's felt um, like that. It has felt like that. Look, <laughs> honestly, so this afternoon... Um, Madge announced the teams for this week, which we'll come to. But I have to say that when I was watching this game, I honestly felt like um, there was phenomenal work being done out of dummy half. Harry Grant, absolutely incredible. The Tigers have got some talent on the edges. But I, I felt like watching this game that the fifth tackle options that the Tigers had were terrible. Luke Brooks has played about 130 games now for the Tigers. He's no longer a rookie. Um, Benji Marshall is an old hand and just something for me was not working. Um, there are a lot of um, fifth tackle options that where they just got lost. There was running back into the ruck. There was running on the last when there were overlaps. Um, for me, it was a really confusing performance to watch because I actually felt like the halves undid a lot of the good work um, that the Tigers were doing. They've got some grunt. Um, Harry Grant, I think, is awesome for them. I, if Madge can manage to keep him there, that will be a massive coup for them. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I think it's going to depend on their success. But um, it was really interesting. All credit and, like, well done to the Titans. Um, gutsy performance. They were down 22-12 at one point and came back to win 28-23. But, you know, I just, I don't know. They, they placed South this week and I'm, I'm hoping so that win was a blip. But just one of those things, the Tigers are... Again, I'm looking at the ladder. The Tigers are ninth. Sums them up. Yeah, it's it's where they're where they're supposed to be. Uh, I look, Benji's been great for them the last year. He's probably been their best player. I I just think it was just a bad week for the Tigers. They didn't show up. They came they came out unprepared because it is the Titans. They thought it would be a walk in the park, and it wasn't. And you could tell how much the Titans won that win at the end of the game after that Philip Sammy try. You saw uh, you saw Dry Arrow on the ground like hugging the ground. It's just like, thank God, finally this is over. You could tell how much he wanted to win, and he's gonna be he's not even gonna be there next year. So yeah, I I think it's I think it was a tough loss for the Tigers and Madge absolutely sprayed him in the dressing room after and rightfully so. Uh but yeah, good work from the Titans, good signs. You could tell this that you know trying new things may work, and you've got a couple fresh new faces in there. Got rid of some old guys who have gotten a bit stale, and like Gerald Wallace, who just you know were limping around and not doing too much. So well done to the Titans. Uh, yeah, and they did—they didn't give up. I thought, which no. was really good. I mean, 
to come back from that, it takes a lot of belief for a team that can't really score points. So um, good for them. Um, really awesome. Yeah, who knows what could happen from here. Momentum is key, folks. Momentum is key. It is. It is. And they're no longer at the bottom of the table. So things are looking up for the Titans. The last... Oh, we already spoke about the last game in depth. So... Uh, but we, we haven't spoken about the ultimate game, which um, actually happened in fantasy, which was where Michael Corbin's team scored 180, 872 points and Emmanuel Penkless's team scored 988 points. So that was the win for the ages. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a good week for me. Had Tal Malolo on my bench. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, let's 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 focus on the tipping where I got five and you got four. Uh, yeah, I'll focus. I'll focus on that. I'll, I'll focus on that this week <laughs> <laughs> and this year. Last time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk too much um, about fantasy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I wouldn't either after losing to me. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so this week, manly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will they be fired up enough? They're taking on the Broncos, who I don't know how the hell the Broncos are going to turn up. I don't know what to expect from them. Ben Teo's back. I mean, he's coming off the bench. He's not a playmaker. He brings a bit of aggression. He hasn't played rugby league for ages. Manly are unchanged after last week's narrow loss to Parramatta. Um, whether they're battered and bruised from that game could be a deciding factor five-day turnaround, but I don't know, Brisbane... I can't, I can't even say Brisbane are battered and breweries because they missed so many tackles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, look, this is an easy one for me based on what I've seen in the last couple of weeks. I've gone manly. Uh, Broncos are trying some new stuff. They've uh, moved Corey Yates into the second row. Uh, Jamil Hopper-White has been dropped from the side. Uh, you got Ben Teo coming in. So they're, trans- they're trying to change up some things. They've still got Fafita out. Pangai's still out. They've still got Alex Glenn out. Uh, what's his name? Jake Turpin's still out. So their forward pack is still depleted. But, yeah, I they finally got in Xavier Coates. You know, fans have been calling for him. He's this uh, prodigy on the wing. So they're giving him a shot. Yeah, it's. I still don't think it's enough. I think, I think Manly were unlucky to be beaten. Against you know the top of the table in Parramatta, so there's an easy one for me down at uh, Central Coast Stadium. I can't tip the Broncos. You can't. You can't do it after what happened last week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going. Um, I'm going Manly too. All right, next game okay. we have the Warriors versus the Cowboys, also at Central Coast Stadium, I believe. Uh, this one was a bit tough for me because both teams have been, you know, Cowboys had a good win two weeks ago, then had a bad loss and same as the Warriors. Uh, my tip really hinges on whether Tiamalolo plays or not. Uh, so at the moment, I've seen him on that extended bench. I think he will play, so I'm going the Cowboys. That could change though. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, their success really hinges on him. Yeah. Um, especially with Morgan still out of it. So, um, assuming that Tamalolo is in, I will go the Cowboys too. But um, he's listed at 20. So, who knows what that means? And I don't know if that means he's a week away, but assume he's playing. So, I'm going to go Cowboys too. Yeah. Um, but Friday night, absolute cracking game. Mm, uh, one versus three. Both teams undefeated. One versus three or one versus equal seconds. It's the first time that... Um, I think the second time ever that the Eels and Panthers are both in the top four when they're playing each other. So, uh, really exciting. Possible grand final preview here. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Big, big call. Big call. Oh, big, big call. Big, big call. <laughs> big call. Roosters fans everywhere throwing stuff at their headphones don't. based on what I've just said. But... Uh, <laughs> Aggregators are going to come after Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, massive, massive ins for both sides. So, Cleary's back. Um, Matt Burden moves back to the bench. Um, Nathan Brown returns for Parramatta. Um, Takarangi and Kafusi dropping out. 
So how does this go? I think it's, it's a great battle. And I think a lot of it's going to be down to the composure of the two halfbacks. Oh, of course. This game's going to be Cleary versus Moses. Both forward packs are good. Yeah. Both back lines are pretty good as well. But it is all going to hinge on how good uh, Nathan Cleary is and Mitchell Moses is. Uh, I have Para getting up. I think that given their track record and how they're playing, I can't tip against them. They've had some stiff competition the first couple of weeks as well. So I don't know. I just, that was a, that was a really gutsy win against Manly uh, and one that I needed to see them win to tip them in a game like this. So yeah, yeah I am going with Para. I think they're going to stay undefeated. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to go with Penrith um, based on the fact Penrith had a better, um, just a more chilled round four um, whereas I think the Eels will be a bit battered and bruised after that performance. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think Penrith's got a really strong side. Para been had all the headlines, but I think um, with Cleary back, we'll start to see what they're like. So he also had a, a great round one against and round two, um, you know, before lockdown. So um, I think this could be the the game where Para loses. All right. All right, so there's there's our first disagreement in the tips. Uh, next game, uh, we spoke about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Ra- uh, Rabbitohs are versing the Titans. Um, I said last week that Titans would need to win five or six in a row for me to tip them. Uh, so I will stick with that, uh, with what I've said, and I've gone south. Yeah. Did you say five or six in a row or just five or six? across three seasons. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Cody Walker's back for South. James Roberts is in. Um, Nichols is out. Dargan is dropped back. Burns has dropped. I don't know. Like, Souths have to win this game. I'm not even contemplating the option. Totola, Burgess, um, Sewer and Lowe, I think it's great that they've both started. Sewer's um, doing some great work. Liam Knight had really good impact off the bench. I still think we're short on forwards. Um, and we're going to be playing against one that we desperately wanted for this season in Jai Arrow. Um, you look at the two teams on paper and you think South should get this done. But, um, you know, I think for us, ball control is key. Mark Nichols probably gets dropped based on his terrible ball control last week. He wasn't the only one, but it definitely showed. So I'm going for Souths. Um, my head and my heart both say it, but we need this win. We need something. You do need this win. Uh, I just think Cody Walker, his inclusion will be huge. Uh, definitely that spark that you need and someone who can help Damien Cook get out as well from dummy half, which was lacking last week. All right, next game is probably one of the two best games of the round. Uh, Knights versus Melbourne. Who you got? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I actually think I'm going to go Melbourne because I think, you know, we just spoke about this being the South's 2012 kind of vibe of like Newcastle, the up-and-coming team. This is the this is the game where you... This is, I think, the big test for Newcastle. It, you're up against the perennial contenders. Um, they've got all the experience. They'll have to play for 80. And the minute that they drop off in intensity... You've got a man there who is about 100 years old playing number nine um, who will absolutely punish them. Um, Riley Jacks is in, which I don't actually think is a bad thing for them because um, I feel like uh, Jerome Hughes is a bit, I don't know, it's finding a bit hard to work out. Brilliant signs last week, but other points in the game, I'm like, it's a bit disjointed. They rely a lot more on Munster. Um, and I feel like with a, a halfback that can just get months to the ball, um, probably a better option for them. Um, yeah, I've got I've got Melbourne. Do you think Cameron Smith should be named at halfback, or do you think you know should Smith be playing half and Brandon Smith being play be, uh, play that play that uh, number nine role with Jerome Hughes coming off the bench for some relief at some point? I think that would be their best bet. Uh, Smith basically plays halfback anywhere or, or anyway. He organises everything. Uh, I've 
that's that's just a, something that I would yeah. do. Uh, but obviously Bellamy's a super coach and knows way more than I ever would. So if he hasn't done it yet, there may be a reason. Uh, I have gone the Knights. I don't know if it's an upset or not, but based on what I've seen the last couple of weeks, they have been some great victories. They had no right to even draw with the Panthers. They uh, they pumped the Raiders. They were over them the whole game. The scoreline was a bit closer than what uh, the game actually showed. So I'm going the Knights. Uh, I could be wrong on this one, but I believe in what they're doing. Uh, the new rules are really going to suit Kalen Ponga. They have a solid hooker now who can get them on the front foot, uh, which they missed in that first, I think, when Braley went down. It, it really, really helped, uh, really hurt them. So, yeah, I stick with the Knights. I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. Massive. Massive. <laughs> yeah. Huge endorsement there. I know. Okay, Saturday night, Tigers, Raiders. Tigers have made a multitude of changes. Um, Robert Jennings, Benji Marshall, Garner, Clark, Billy Walters all out. Tommy Talau on the wing. Josh Reynolds at 5'8". Musgrove at crop. Chris Lawrence in the second row. Russell Packer, surprise. And Michael Cheekham joining the bench. There's a lot more grunt in this pack. This is Luke Brooks's team um, to run by the looks of it. I look. I Tigers got good grunt, good go forward. They're going to need it this week because they're going to be playing against a Canberra side who's going to want to show everyone last week was a blip. Um, Raiders win this game in my mind. Tigers give up, put up a good fight for seventy minutes. Yeah, I have also gone the Raiders. I don't really understand some of the changes that have been made. I really like Luke Gunner. I think he's a good player. Uh, I I don't like Josh Reynolds as a footballer. I don't think he's a 5'8". I don't think he's a hooker. I don't think he's a half. I don't know where he fits. I just think that if you have Benji on the field, you have more class, you have more poise. I He had one bad game. He's been he's been good for the rest of it. I just I think it was a rash decision by Madge. I know I know you you priested the church of uh, Michael Maguire, but I I can't understand some of these moves. Um, yeah, I. Raiders for me, it, it was an easy pick. Yeah. Well, I'm actually wondering if the only reason that Reynolds is there is because Billy Walters isn't. Maybe. I don't but, know. Um, I don't know either. I just, yeah. I, they've got some talent there, the Tigers. They just they just sort of seem to be in the same area. Michael Maguire came out and said it during the week. Um, we're just that sort of club. And, you know, as I said before, they're ninth. They're always ninth. They're just never quite there. So um, I think Ricky's men will have them covered. Four o'clock Sunday, Bulldogs, fresh off that win against the Roosters, even fresher after their win. Um, Great performance by the Roosters. I just really enjoyed watching it. Very creative football. There was a moment where it was um, friend to Radley to Flanagan. Flanagan went under the post and it was just like, oh, when players combine like that, why can't my club do that? So yeah. great performance there. Um, Teddy returns. Yeah. yeah. Well, one, one question that was, like, I kept on saying was how many points would the Roosters put on the Broncos if Teddy was playing? I don't think it would have mattered. I think the score would have been pretty similar. Uh, you know, Brett Morris was great back there, but Roosters didn't blow any opportunities. They took all of them. So, you know, how many more opportunities can you get than what they already did? So, yeah, I the score would have been similar with Teddy there or without Teddy there. That just shows you how classy the Roosters' outfit is. Uh, Kyle Flanagan has had a great two games. Uh, but one player, and I, I absolutely love him, and you messaged me. You said that he's just insane. Victor Radley is having a great start to the season. Uh, he's fantastic in that lock role. He fits so perfectly next to Jake Friend. Their combination at around dummy half is absolutely brilliant, and it lets our halves play off the cuff as well. And it's yeah, Freddie. Freddie's going to have a tough decision come Origin time when he has to pick between Jake Derojevic, Cam Murray, and Victor Radley for his thirteen. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty of options there, and Radley is yeah, he's one of my favourite roosters for sure. Um, yeah. Again, this one was really easy for me. Uh, no bias whatsoever, but I'm tipping the Roosters. Yeah, you'd be stupid not to. 
Yeah, on that Victor Radley point, Joey said in commentary, I think it was Joey the other night, that uh, Sam Burgess been in Radley's ear to convince him to play for England because he's eligible. So um, that could help resolve Freddie's dilemmas there. Um, but I'm with you. He's had a, a great start to the season, looking more confident every week. And, you know, confidence was exactly his weak point before. So quite an alarming uh, place to be for anyone that's not the Roosters. Um, the other thing is Max Evans actually emailed in to us and said um, that he reckons Roosters probably would have scored less points if Tedesco was there because uh, Robbo would have probably benched him at halftime. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. But yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a stack squad. Uh, you know, Mitchell Orbison's still not named in the, in the 17 because I think he's got a bit of a lingering issue, but you have players like Lindsay Collins who comes off the bench, plays 50 minutes and gets 257 run meters. Uh, yeah. I, this team is, this team is very, very strong all across the board. And yeah, I can't, I'm calling yeah, now. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, I can't see us not going back look, to back to back. Uh, I can. <laughs> Just I don't know who's there. But let's not talk about that nightmare. Um, but I'm interested to see them, you know, play some of the some of the more quality teams um, in the competition. So, I mean, you've had South Souths. You've had... Uh, we were underdone. You've had, but you know, we're missing players. In fairness, but you know, you've had Souths, you've had Brisbane, you got, um, you got Canterbury this week. But I'd be interested to see. Don't forget, you did lose to Penrith, so yeah, we did. I'd be we interested did. to see you play against some of those more top four teams. Um, I want to see. I want to see a good test. Like I said, that fifty-nine point win, I can't take too much out of it because the Broncos are terrible. So I want to see us in a gritty game where we have to fight for a win. We haven't done that yet, I don't think. So that's going to be the next step. Yeah, exactly. And that brings us to uh, the final game, the derby. Dragons, Sharks. Wow. Oh, my God. How does St. George come back from a week like this? How does St. George come back from the last two weeks? Like, I can't, I can't, there's, there's no way in my right mind I could say what I've said on here the last two weeks and go ahead and tips and George. That team is defeated. They, they've got nothing. They've got no motivation, no anything. Even Mary, Mary's job was under pressure and still they showed up with nothing. They haven't made any changes this week by the looks of it. Maybe some minor ones. Uh, Braden Willie Army's out, so... Uh, I think it was you and Aiken comes in in the centres. You and Aiken. Great. He yeah. he's definitely hasn't performed over the last four years anyway. So, yeah, I... Unless Ben Tar- Hunt finally... Tarek Sims is out. out. Okay. Yeah, Tarek Sims is out for 46 yeah. weeks. Uh, yeah. So, unless unless Ben Hunt decides to actually lace up his boots and play some football, uh, Sharks easily. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Chad Townsend's back as well for them. Like last week, I put it all on the line, Corbs. You know, it was the deciding tip. I needed to chase you in the tipping comp. I backed the Dragons. I looked at them. I'm looking at the same team right now. And I'm thinking, how can this team be struggling? But you know what? I'm going uh, Cronulla. And St. George will probably win because of that. But I'm going Cronulla. Um, It's usually a close game. I hope it is. Um, But yeah, it's very hard to say anything. Yeah, I think so. It's especially <laughs> with these rules. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, definitely Cronulla. They've got Fafita yeah. um, yeah. starting as well, so yeah. um, I think they'll be too strong. Yeah, agree. That's it. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know where St George go from there. I can relate though. I'd say the only place is up, but losing to the Sharks is always a bit of loss considering, you know, the fan bases are so close and it's a local derby and whatnot. So, yeah. It's going to be a tough season for the Dragons. They, they, they're passionate fans. They want Mary's head. And it's not going to happen anytime soon by the looks of it. So, yeah. It's going to be another tough week for them, in my opinion. Uh, but it just shows that, uh, you know, 
you should follow my tips, Emmanuel. You should you should be tipping what I'm tipping. We've had a couple of differences this week, <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe my lead builds on you again. No comment. No comment. <laughs> now, Corbs. Yes. You have a very fun stat for me. Let's see if you remember it. Brisbane, can they win the premiership this year? And statistically, tell me why not. Uh, no, they cannot because they have lost by more than 50 points. Or they had points, 50 points put on, put on them in a game. Uh, I don't think any team has ever won a competition uh, if they've had 50 points scored on them. So troubling signs for the Broncos already this early. Uh, it, it's one of those stats that you're like, oh, okay, maybe it'll get broken one year. But you know, losing, getting 50 points put on you is a big deal. It's a lot of points. It just shows that you're not quite there. And teams, teams that are title contenders don't let that happen. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I actually thought we were going to be talking about tonight, um, especially going into Friday night's game, I did say this a bit earlier, but, you know, after the 59-0 and then Penrith's demolition of the Warriors and then South's never having won in Melbourne, I, I did fear we were going to be talking about a lot of blowout scores this weekend, and there were some. Um, and I think this is going to be a thing. And we we should like I think we're going to we should across this podcast definitely track this over the course of the season. Um, the blowout score line, because you know one of the things is we want the game flowing, we want it quicker. But as we've discussed, referees um, have had the ability to manipulate the game with the penalties. Um, it keeps it close. It keeps it interesting. That's taken away now. And how will... I mean, it's great when your team's on top. And if Brisbane's being smashed, no one's really complaining. But how will the NRL respond if we see a series of 59-0 blowouts or low, high-scoring, single-sided matches over the course of the season? So something to watch there. Is it is it a result, though, of just the top the top six or seven teams in the competition just being that much better than the bottom six or seven teams in the competition. Like a lot of these blowouts have been games where we're like, oh, this team should win. Uh, so, and they eventually go on to do so. You know, I, I, some of it, some of it is, yeah. you know, the matchups that are happening. Um, yeah. I think there's clearly a top, uh, who we got here, a top seven, eight teams. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Actually, it's interesting. So next week is round five. We're coming to round five, so we'll probably do a quarter season review next week. But um, Gus posted on Twitter last night. um, He said, have a look at the top eight. Can you see anyone outside the current top eight being there and who drops out? And he's not necessarily saying that order. You've got the Eels, you've got the Knights, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Storm, the Roosters, the Cowboys, and Manly. Yep. Now, in my head and my heart, I'm saying the Cowboys drop out and Souths go in. That was my thought exactly as well. Now, yeah. if Broncos, if the other team that I, I still can't give up on them just based on how many injuries they have, the Broncos can turn this around. And they, they were in a position like this last year and they, they did they make the finals? They did. They did make the yeah, finals. They, they lost to the Parramatta, but they but they they struggled at the start of last season as well, and they ended up putting a few games together at the back end of the season to get them in there. So they're another team that I could see getting in as well. Uh, but it's yeah, I the only team that I could see in that top eight who aren't who may not be there at the end is the Cowboys, uh, and I think it's either going to be the Souths or Broncos who take their spot. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I hope we're right, but very interesting. Um, Comes back to the whole one-sidedness. I 100% agree that the top teams are just so much better than the bottom teams. The new rules just really accentuate that. So when you're hot, you're really hot. And when you're not, you're just going to not really be there at all. Mm -hmm. So you really really need to look out for those big matchups. So this week, the the games that you want to see that are going to be, that we think are going to be close are Eels versus Panthers and Storm versus Knights. They're the two that you're hoping are real nail biters. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And maybe for a lack of point scoring ability, maybe Titans and Souths. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. All right, Emmanuel. 
think that's it. Are we done for the week? I think we, we are. That's we, let's, just, let's, just, let's just go through our tips quickly. I've got it here. I've, we've gone. Yeah. You've gone. We've both gone Manly against Brisbane. We've both gone the Cowboys to beat the Warriors. You've tipped yep. the Eels, where I've tipped Penrith. Um, we've both tipped South to end the Titans' winning streak. Um, you've got Newcastle. I've got Melbourne. We've both tipped the Raiders to beat the Tigers. We've both tipped the Roosters to beat the Bulldogs. And we both think that St. George will lose their fifth game and remain winless. Yep. So two differences there. We'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, two tough games. The two games that I said, the ones that are probably going to be the closest this week. So we've gone, we've gone opposites. Let's see how it turns out. Sounds good. All right. All right, Corbs. That's another week done for us here on How Good Is Rugby League. Um, another great podcast. Uh, remember to um, email us at howgoodisrugbyleague at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. We're on all the great podcasting platforms. Um, at Emmanuel Penclis on Instagram. At michael.corbin23 on Instagram. Um, follow us. Send in your queries. Tell your friends. And, of course, thank you for listening. Go the Rabbitohs. And one more thing, Emmanuel. How good is Rugby League? I love Rugby League. (laughs) Thanks, guys.